Um, so yeah, thank you guys for uh, for joining us today. We are kind of in the middle, smack dab in the middle of a series called uh, Back to the Future. This is all about uh, what does it mean to get back to the future of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. We kind of talked about the first week, sort of laid a bit of a foundation for um, what is a post-Christian culture, uh, what sort of has led to that. If you want to go back and, and re-watch that message, I, I highly encourage it. Um, I thought I did a pretty bang-up job. Um, so, uh, and I'm really humble about it. So go and uh, check that out if you've been missing the the, the series, um, they're all online. Last week, uh, Jen spoke about how we grow, um, how we stay connected to the gospel, how we stay connected to one another. Um, there's a bit of an emphasis on groups. She shared a little video from uh, Frank talking about sort of when we were originally launching small groups at Connect, it was a video that um, was a bit of the vision for it. And it's cool to see like 10 years later how groups are really coming together and loving one another and fulfilling what we were hoping to see happen with the vision of groups. Just a, a week ago, uh, our friends Julie and Tristan Taylor, if you guys are watching online, hello. Um, they got baptized by their group leads in their group at one of their group people's houses. It was just like a sweet moment where, you know, we're taking some of those things that typically people would look at a church leader and say, well, this is kind of what they do, and seeing that now happening in group and by people who are just simply obeying the Great Commission to go and make disciples, baptize them. It's really beautiful. So um, today I'm, I get the, the privilege of talking about how we reach out to people. This is kind of, um, I want to just start by saying, I think people are kind of tired in this season, and I'm not going to share a message to try to, you know, give you 10 things that you have to go do from here. It's, it's more of an, a message to, to get you thinking about, like, what will you start to do as you draw close to Jesus? And it's, um, there's a quote from a guy named Dallas Willard. I, I don't actually have it, but I was just talking with Joel about this yesterday. Um, he's an amazing, amazing writer and um, he, re- he has this quote, it says, it's not what you do, it's who you become. It's not what you do, it's who you become. And I'm, I'm going to talk a bit today about who we become uh, as we draw close to Jesus. And for, for me, like the, the beginning of, of my sort of faith journey was um, I was part of a church, walked away from it completely, wanted nothing to do with faith, wanted nothing to do with, with Jesus. Um, it was just kind of religion to me at that point. It had no real relational sort of connection for me. And so it wasn't until later on that I actually moved back to, uh, I was living in Vancouver actually, and I, I just felt like I was supposed to go and help um, a group of skateboarders and it's a group called Skate Life, and they, they're a nonprofit um, Christian organization that's dedicated to reaching youth, specifically skateboarders. And so I felt like I was supposed to go and help one summer my friend Larson, um, who was quite involved at the time. And so I went and helped, and I remember just feeling like um, that was when I had walked away from faith, Skate Life was kind of one of those groups of people 
that kept me sort of anchored to, a, to my faith, that I actually saw following Jesus and who I was as something that goes together because I saw other skateboarders following Jesus and loving him and serving him and learning and, and going after him. And so I actually saw myself as a part of that community, but I just didn't wade into it earlier on. And then when I lived in Vancouver, I went and helped this summer and it kind of like made me feel like I was supposed to come back to Cranbrook and, and help start Skate Church, which is basically we just meet um, weekly and, and do a little skate session. We have a meal and we share a thought from scripture, a teaching of Jesus, a thought for the, for the night, or as the, the skateboarders so eloquently call it, smoking a brain bowl. Because that's a thing that skateboarders do. They smoke a brain bowl. Yep, that is a... It's not very often that you get uh, people who are smoking weed and then just like coming to church in the same day. It's, uh, and so skateboarders are a unique bunch. And so it was always fun to have those conversations. And, and that kind of like, I remember feeling like this is where I get to reach out to people. This is where, and that was the, that was the thing that I kind of got me in faith that reached out to me was these skateboarders. And I felt like naturally, as you are reached through this ministry, that you would turn around and then do the same for others because I saw how valuable my relationship with God was. And so naturally, as a skateboarder, I just started wanting to help with that. And so I've always kind of had a little bit of a, a thing with like mission and being people who live faith out, outside of these walls as well as in these walls. Like that it's, it's an expression of our love for God that impacts the places of life that we find ourselves. And so um, that was all kind of put, uh, you know, on halt um, at the beginning of COVID. And, and so today I, I just want to talk about like how do we start to kind of wade back into this reaching out to people and give a little bit of a, a perspective on the image of God and the nature of who God is from what I'm seeing in scripture as our missionary God. Like it's an aspect of his image that I think is often overlooked, um, that he is the great missionary God, like that he is the sent and sending God who sends his son, who sends his Holy Spirit, who sends us. And he is on mission from day one to the day he comes back. He is on mission. He is a missional being. And I want to talk about that. So let's, um, let's just pray as we, as, we, uh, as we start. And yeah, just ask that you would come in with, a, with an open heart to, to some of what I have to, to say today um, to encourage you with. So God, we, we uh, give you praise for today. And we just recognize that today is a day that you have made. It is a day that we can rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, God, that it is a day of thankfulness. God, that it is Thanksgiving this weekend and we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much in our life with our family, with our friends, with our provision. God, that you have given us graciously. We just thank you for it, God. There is so much to be thankful for. And ultimately what we are thankful for is your son who came, who was on mission for us, God, that you sent your son to walk amongst us, to relate with us, to give us a clear picture of what love looks like in a human, to give us a clear picture of your mercy and your love and your grace, God, and that you laid down your life in love for us, that we are valuable to you. And God, I just thank you for that today, 
that we are forgiven through your blood, through your sacrifice, that we stand right with you today. We are thankful for that truth, God, that makes us free, that sets us free from ourself. And so we just, uh, we give you this morning, we give you this time together to reflect and to um, have some conversation about who you are, God. And we just ask that you would uh, open our eyes to who you are. Just give us a little bit bigger perspective of who you are and what you're doing in this world and in this community and in us personally, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If there's, uh, if there's one thing that a global pandemic did um, that was awesome was give me a lot of time to uh, catch up on some Netflix shows and some, some other shows. Uh, there's a show called The Chosen. Have you guys seen The Chosen? Show of hands if you've seen The Chosen. All right, so about half in this room. The Chosen is a uh, multi-season TV series on the life of Jesus. It's a creative interpretation. It's not directly from the Bible. And the, the, to be very clear, the director of the show has said multiple times, this doesn't become a replacement for scripture. Don't let this show become a replacement. It's basically a creative interpretation of the characters and the life of Jesus to give a bit of perspective on what it may have been like to encounter Jesus in the first century when he was in the flesh dwelling among us. Like what it was like for people to actually bump up against God incarnate. Like really cool stories, really cool interpretation of it. And I just love that show. And in the opening of season two, which I was so stoked, it came out during COVID and I'm like, yeah, season two. And the first episode happens and it's all kind of following uh, the disciples, James and John. And it's kind of a little more of an emphasis on them. And they, they go to the story in scripture where, you know, Jesus has told them that, you know, one day I will give you authority to do the things that I'm doing. And he's going around healing people, reconciling people to himself, like winning people over. And he tells James and John, I'm going to give you guys authority one day to do the stuff that I'm doing. And they're all like, whoa, this is really cool. And then it comes to this part where they bump up against some Samaritans and, from, and they're passing by and they start mocking them because they're Jews and Samaria and, and like they are, there's this real weird tension between them. If you look at the history of it, there's some like really messed up stuff that happened between those two groups of people. And so they start mocking James and John and they're with Jesus and they start like shouting back, like they're ready to pick a fight, which is funny. Like you think about like following and Jesus is like literally having to hold back his disciples from beating the crap out of these Samaritans. And he's holding them back and they're like, Jesus, like, let's call down fire on them. Let's call down fire from heaven. And they do this whole thing. It's a quote back to an Old Testament story where they want to basically smite these people. And Jesus is like, you, no, no. And he kind of gives them the gears, gives them some tough love and, um, and gives them some like work to do, like almost as like, you know, they have to like <laughs> go do, dig up this whole field and, and he's basically like giving them a bit of correction. Just like, you guys are kind of dumb, but you'll figure it out. Go, you know, help this guy out for the day. And at the end of the episode, he's in this temple, Jesus is in this temple and he's going to give a teaching and the temple has a limited number of the Old Testament scrolls. And so the, they only have the first five books of the Bible or what would be called the Torah. And they're these scrolls. So he's he goes, he's with John and he's like, John, what would you like to read? And John's like, you know, I love the opening passage, how God just spoke and the world 
began, how God just spoke and things came into being. And he's like, I love that one too. And then he says like, and it's a favorite memory of mine. And he grabs it and he goes out and he teaches out of it. It's just this beautiful thing. And as he's teaching, you see the disciple John standing there and he goes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then as we read in the, the beginning of John's book, John's gospel, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he's talking about Jesus. And he's being, they depict it as though he's being inspired by Jesus teaching the Genesis creation story. And John is standing there watching it and being inspired with the opening sort of thing of his, of his gospel. And as Jesus is reading, he's getting inspired. It's just this beautiful moment where like, it zooms in on John's face and this tear just comes down his eye and the music's going and it's just like, oh, just like sitting there crying. Like, oh, this is so beautiful. And I remember coming to work the next day and Ronnie's like, did you see the first episode of the second season? It's like, yeah. It's like, you got to the end and you're just like, just a mess. It's like, yeah, that's right. And you know, it's just like, like a Holy Spirit inspired moment. And I love how the, the gospel of John is a kind of direct reflection of the creation story. And, and we go back to this creation story and we read that God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the animals of the air and the sea and the land. And he creates all of this stuff with the power of his word. And it says for humans that he actually reached out and formed them, that he spoke the world into existence, that things are made up of sound and light. If you actually do the, the science behind it is really interesting and reflects and validates what scripture is saying, that God is light and that he spoke and that all things are held together by the power of his word. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of how God created everything. But for people, for us as humans, he reached down, it says, and formed us out of the dirt, like he formed us out of the, the mess, like he got his hands a little dirty for us and he spoke everything for everything else, that he actually formed us in his image. In the, the first sort of passage, it says, um, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. What uh, just this today is going to be a little bit of uh, trying to get some some stuff out of you. We're a small group today, so um, try to get a little bit of you know back and forth throughout today. I think I'm just feeling that a little bit. Um, what is God's image? Help me help me out here. God is. If you were to give one word for God, God is love. Absolutely beautiful. Um, God is love. God is active. We, we know that we live in, on the macro scale, that we live in an ever-expanding universe, that God is love that is reaching and reaching and reaching, and it goes further and further and further. He never is just passive love. He's never just like, you know shelf people and kind of just, you know, I'll talk to you in 20 years kind of a love. He is always reaching. He's always pursuing. He's always reaching out to people. And he created us in that, in that image that it's actually love in action, that there's, there's a reaching out that happens. There's a mission that God has given us. And God's, we, we see that he creates Adam and he breathes his breath of life into him. This is the word in Greek, zoe, which means his life, his eternal life. It's not 
Um, it's not, you know, health, wealth, and abundance. It's actually like his eternal life he breathes into Adam. And he, the first thing he does as he creates man in his image, what does he do? The first, what's the first thing that Adam is given to do in the Genesis story? Name everything. He's given a job, right? Name the animals. And he just, God's given him authority. Rule over and govern and steward what I've given you. And so he's just flowing, right? Hippopotamus, you know, crocodile, giraffe. If it's a giraffe, God's like, all right, it's a giraffe, you know? He runs out of words. Okay, dog, cat. I don't know anymore. It's just like, those are the last ones. And he's just flowing in this thing and he's given work. He's actually told that, you know, tend to the garden. Be like the gardener here. Go around and take care of this earth. And then Eve comes along, right? And what does he do with both of them? Now he's not just given Adam a mission. He's now given both of them. What is the mission that he gives Adam and Eve? Multiply, that's right. Be fruitful and multiply. It's the first thing he gives them as the work to do. You have a mission, he says to them, like my image, which is love, which reaches out, which flourishes, which is beautiful, which is pure. I've given you this mission to come together in union, husband and wife and reproduce and remake that image of love and cover the earth in my image. That's what God wanted from the get-go, like cover the earth in the image of love. Cover it, just like be fruitful and multiply. I love that. I just like, you know, if people get, oh, I don't like the Bible, it's just a bunch of rules. Well, the first thing he gave people to do is like go have sex and love each other really well and cover the earth in my image. Like that's literally the first command. If people are like, oh, it's a big rule book. Yeah, the first rule is pretty awesome. <laughs> cover the earth in my image, he says. Go and be fruitful and multiply. And we know what happens, right? That image, something about that image is fractured. Something, it's what people call the fall. It's what people call sin or original sin. That there's this fractured, broken thing that happens that we call the fall. And, and I want to be clear that the good news, we have to start with the creation story. That God made us in his image. If you're ever sharing the gospel with people, that we are created in the image of God with immeasurable value to him. That he made us in his image, that God who is of infinite worth died for us because we're of infinite worth to him. Like we are valuable and made with mission and purpose and reason and a job to do. That life is not meaningless, life has a purpose, life has a point, and it is always, always found as we come back into the image of God. But what happened, right? We know that the fracture of sin took place. And now we see, be fruitful and multiply, cover the earth in my image. Now it's the image of love, but it's warped. It's distorted. It's fractured. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like a beautiful creation that, like a painting that now has been spray painted over and that image is marred, image is blurred out. And that image of love has been multiplied, but it's a fractured image of love. And we know we live in a very fractured, divided, broken, warped, and distorted world. And each of us are born into that sort of lineage of sin. 
from Adam, from Eve, from this brokenness that they actually failed to be obedient to God. And through that, there was sin and this fracturedness that carried on and almost created a snowball effect up into this current day, that we are fractured, that we are broken, but we are also valuable and made with intrinsic worth and dignity. And we are created in God's image, formed in his likeness. But we are identifying and born into this broken world. It's the whole gospel story, creation and then the fall. And and through that, we take on identities when we don't know who we are. And it's almost like the the spray paint has been covered over the beautiful image of love, which is seen in Christ. When that is covered over, it's like we start to try to find identity elsewhere. We find things that define us and determine who we are and determine our value in other places. We all do this, skateboarding, music, church leader. Whatever. Like I take on labels that I have to always keep in check. Like this isn't my identity. These are things I do. This is not who I am. This is how I am. This is what I do, but it's not who I am. We take on labels and things that define us from this fractured perspective. And the image of this missional love, this, this image of our missionary God is warped. And now what should be purpose and mission becomes apathy and just be comfortable and don't, and, and kind of fend for yourself, survival versus flourishing. And because of this disconnect caused by sin, we've all been born as image bearers of this holy, loving God, but into this lineage of brokenness and sin. And we are still created in God's image. We are his handiwork but our own sort of moral blunders have kind of marred the image of God. It has distorted it in a way. Um, And ultimately, like our human efforts are, I want to read for you actually um, a quote from from a guy named Tim Keller. Um, I believe it's on my phone. What has happened through sin, what has happened through the fall, what has happened through this brokenness is that we are all in desperate need of God's mercy. That we are in, oh, I don't have it. Sorry, guys. No, it's on my computer. We are in desperate need of God's mercy. But I'll, I'll try to paraphrase his quote. He said that in our day and age that people aren't really bothered with the mercy of God. They're not actually really that, like, it's not all that attractive to them because it implies if God is merciful, there's something he has to be merciful about, that we are broken and actually deserving of punishment, Tim Keller says, and that the world is not bothered with that idea, that it's like we want a good, loving, peaceful God who just like does what we want him to do, and we, we don't like the idea that our sin actually puts us in wrong standing with him. And so the mercy of God isn't actually all that attractive to people who kind of just discredit God, it's not all that, you know, it doesn't draw people to him because we don't like the idea of a God that may punish. And what happened in the gospel, what happens in Christ is, what does he do? He looks at creation, which is covered in his image, but that image is distorted. It's fractured. It's kind of broken. And he looks at that image, that precious image that he intended, and he goes, man, that is warped to a degree. I'm going to send, what does he do? He sends. The, the thing that he does in response 
to our sin, when people are broken, when people are lost, when people don't know who they are, what does he do? He sends. He sends his son. It's exactly what Christ came to do, that we would take our marred, kind of painted over image of God's love and we would now have a clear picture of what love looks like in a human. This is Christ incarnate. And the fundamental sort of essence of God's image is love that reaches out, that God is there going in the beginning, you know, the word already existed. He existed. He created all things. The word was God and the word or word was with God and the word was God. This is talking about Christ. And then he looks at our brokenness, our sin, our muck, our mess that we've made. And he's like, I'm going to enter into that. Now, I don't know about you, but I think heaven was pretty awesome. Like I would imagine, just, just let your imagination run a little wild here for a second. Like you're not limited by your physical body. So you're seeing colors that don't exist to our eyes. You're hearing music and sounds of worship to God that go beyond our physical capacity to hear. And you're hearing music and sounds and, and beauty that is beyond what you can fathom. And God is there. And it, there's zero tears. There's zero pain. There's zero disease. There's zero sin. It's perfect unity ruled and reigned by God's amazing love. And he's there seated on a throne that's like millions of angels surrounding him, worshiping, holy is your name. And we're all just like invited to the most epic party ever. Like it's going to be amazing. I'm so like death is defeated. It is arrested. We are free. Like we have this access into his presence. It's going to be beautiful. And God's there being worshiped for eternity, just like this is the best thing. And what does he do? Like, I bet you that's a comfy spot to be. He's probably real comfy up there, chilling on his throne, being worshiped for eternity in the most perfect presence ever. He enters into our poop, literally as a baby, soiling himself. And the first thing he does is come out of the womb of a woman crying he enters into our tears. He enters into our crap. He enters into a trough. The God of love enters into our mess. It's what's called the incarnation. It's the doctrine of the incarnation that God came to us. He took on flesh. It says, so the word, this God who dwelt for eternity before any of us were around, who created all things with the power of his word, in the beginning, the word already existed. It was with God and it was God. And what does it say? So the word in John 1:14 became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, John says, the glory of the father's one and only son. And this is what we call the incarnation, that God in his image, does not look at sin and brokenness and lostness and remain passive, that he reaches out. This is his nature. This is his image. And we're created in that image to see brokenness and reach out, to see fractured people and be a part of mending with God's help. Be a part of, it's like this beautiful invitation to become like Christ and reach out to be incarnational, to live that way, to, to move into the neighborhood. I love how one translation says that God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Like it's almost like you move into people's neighborhood. And I think the, the one thing when it comes to living this way, to reaching out, and we're kind of going to go here right now is reaching out is uncomfortable, you guys. Like it means kind of getting involved in people's crap and their tears a little bit. 
living incarnationally, living as image bearers of this missional God who sends his son, who reaches out. And as we follow him, we naturally will do that. It's not what you do, it's who you become. And as you become like Christ, you will begin to see need and say, you know what, God, send me. Send me. This is our missional God. And for some of us, reaching out is going to be uncomfortable. Those people in your life are going to be hard to be around at times. Their mess sometimes stinks. And you got to burst your bubble a little bit. We're living in like the six-foot bubble thing for so long. And like, I'm not trying to be divisive, but you got to pop the bubble sometimes and go and be with people. That people are hurting. And the beautiful design and mission of God's creation to multiply this image of love through the union of husband and wife, through faithfulness, through connection that would reproduce that image and cover the earth in that beautiful image of love was distorted and disrupted by sin. So instead of selfless love covering the earth, we see this fractured image of love covering the earth. But through Christ, he comes into our mess and begins to redeem and reverse the effects of that sin. He literally does what Adam and Eve failed to do. Like he is joined to his bride, the church, that the church is the bride of Christ, and he is joined in intimacy through covenant, through the shedding of blood. He opens what is like the veil of the temple, which is into this holy place. If you do any digging into the history of the temple in the Old Testament, it's beautiful. He enters in and gives us access, and that seed, that life, enters us and it reproduces his image, his love. It's what Jesus calls being born again. And we're born into a lineage of sin and Christ comes to restore that thing, that fractured. He comes to click it back into place, give us a clear picture of his image and invites us to now reproduce and reach out and see that image formed in others. It's so awesome. Like, and it's, it's a mission. It's purposeful. It has meaning behind it. It gives you reason to wake up in the morning, that people need that. And the whole point of the gospel, the message of Christ is to become like him, to take the spray painted image of our sin on our, on our life. Our image was marred by sin. And so Christ came and on the cross was marred by sin so that he could offer us his righteousness, his identity. It's a beautiful trade-off of husband and wife coming together to becoming one. The bridegroom Christ and his church, the bride becoming one. We give him our sin. We give him our death. We give him our failures. We give him our guilt and our shame and our purposelessness. And he hangs there with it. And he on the cross gives us his Holy Spirit, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his perfection. He gives us and plants that into us and two become one and are fused together at a very fundamental spiritual level. We are made one with God, union with God, with his image. We're restored back into his image to now see it. So, so what does this mean for us? Like this this passage in 2 Corinthians that it says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. There is a dying to self that we see as baptism, that you lay down that life and you be joined to Christ. It's like the marriage ceremony. You're identifying with the death and resurrection of Christ, which is the union of the divine and our brokenness. 
And so we are baptized into him. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. He's, and check this out. And God has, this is, scares people sometimes, this next part. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. Make, God is making his appeal to Cranbrook and surrounding community. He is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Can you back up one slide? And I just want to touch on this for a quick second. Um, and God has given us this, what is that word? Task. I feel like a lot of people don't want more tasks right now. We're all kind of tired but God has given us this task of what? Reconciling people to him. So not only did God give us his righteousness, his Holy Spirit, his love on the cross, eternal life, he's given us his ministry. He's given us his work, his mission to reconcile people back to him. The missional God who reaches out. And I don't know about you, but for many people, I think faith kind of lives in our head. Faith is this thing that for a lot of us, it lives in study. It lives in prayer, even in worship, like closing your eyes and imagining Jesus and like, oh, I'm picturing you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And we worship in light of that. And it's like not making fun of that. I do that. But what God did is he actually came to be incarnate, to see faith fleshed out into something tangible. And it looks like something, it looks like reaching out. That the sent and sending God shows us what it means to be missional, to live on mission, to have faith fleshed out into action. Um, and this, this works. Uh, a, a little while ago, I'm just gonna share a, a video story here in a sec, but um, during COVID, I kind of had to burst my bubble. I was really bored and no slight on any of my friends who were, worried about COVID, but it's like all my Christian friends were just like, oh, sorry, we're like sticking to our bubble. I'm like, but who am I going to hang out with? Like, you know, I just felt like everyone's like freaked out. And, and there's a whole bunch of people that aren't, that are just continuing on. And, and I got this random invite from a friend that I had in elementary school. Haven't talked to him in like 15 years, you guys. I kid you not, 15 years. And he messages me out of the blue. Says, hey dude, you want to come play BB Gun Wars? And I'm like, BB Gun Wars? What the heck? Like, like you put on a mask so your eyes don't get poked out and you run around in the woods and shoot each other with BB guns. It's like toy guns for grown-ups. It's like, what the heck? That, yeah, I want to go play BB guns. <laughs> Sounds weird but I'm so stinking bored and I am frustrated that I haven't been able to see people come to faith and I'm just like, man, people are isolated and alone. So I just end up going to this thing on a Sunday. Church wasn't happening. So I'm like, you guys play on Sunday? Great, I'll be there. I got nothing else going on. 
show up to BB Gun Wars, and first thing I see is about 15 guys around a fire, and it's at the archery range out of town of about 10 minutes, and they're all sitting around the, uh, around the fire, and, and I'm like, man, this is kind of cool, like a bunch of dudes just, and they're all like, they're not like 15, 16 year old kids, like they're all grown men with like real careers that are going to play guns in the woods. I'm like, this is super weird. So I walk up and I'm like, hey guys, you know, start meeting people. And, uh, and I had the most fun day ever because I hadn't been doing anything during COVID. And then I was like, the next week, I was just thinking about it all week. I was like, that was so much fun. Like that was a like lift in my spirit. Like, wow, it's called Airsoft. It's like the Airsoft was so fun today. And I thought about it all week. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go next week. They play every Sunday. It's like, I ain't got church next week. We're not gathering. This was back when no church was happening. So I go again the next week. And the second time I show up, I'm looking and I just like had this thing in my mind, which kind of stems back to what I was saying about skateboarding, where it's like skate church. You bring skateboarders together and do church. And I just looked at it. I'm like, airsoft church. This is a church. They're all sitting around the fire. Like, and I just saw it. I was like, this is going to be a thing. We're going to talk about Jesus event. Like people are going to come to faith through this. Incarnational living, fleshed out, like your faith fleshed out. That you actually take on the image of these people. So I started wearing the goofy camo. Started thinking about getting a goofy gun. You know, God, like the eternal God who is beautiful, took on our fragile flesh. Like he, he made himself look very little and weird to relate to us. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy this, the weird mask and I'm going to get the ammo and I'm going to get the, the whole kit and do this incarnational thing with these people. And I'm thinking about this gun and I'm looking online. I'll try to make this story pretty short, but I'm looking online and I didn't realize the culture around Airsoft. There's like, there's people who play this, like in, it's more in the UK, but like thousands of people will come together for like a whole weekend and they'll use like helicopters and literal like vehicles and play on like thousands of acres and do like full recreations of like wars. It's cr- and they look more legit than anyone in the army. Like they all got the gear and it's like, you guys are seriously tough looking like with your guns and you would arrest them the second you saw them because it looks so real. And I'm like, wow, I did not think this was a thing. And so I'm looking at guns online and there's a gun that is the... I'm, looking at this type of gun, it's a sniper rifle. It's just like a little bolt action gun that shoots a plastic BB. And I'm like, why are these so expensive? Like the most expensive gun on the market is a gun from a company called Novrich and it's 500 euros. (laughs) I know, that's what I said, 500 euros. And I'm like, okay, I cannot afford that. My budget to go hang out with these guys is like 300 bucks. That's what I told myself, 300 bucks to get the gun, the stuff, the gear, whatever. And then I do all my research and I'm like, okay, I woke up one day and I'm like, I'm buying a gun today. Like I gotta go hang out with these guys again next week. Like I want to get a gun ASAP. So I check the, check the Kijiji, nothing on there. Or I check eBay, there's nothing on there. Check Kijiji and there's one thing on the Cranbrook Kijiji site. It says Novrich SSG 24 and a picture of the logo. I'm like, I know what that gun, that's the 500, that's the best airsoft sniper you can get. It's pretty legit. And I'm like, and it's priced $400. And I'm like, 
I messaged the guy and I'm like, is this the, that gun? And is this Cranbrook BC? Because there's another Cranbrook in the States. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was that one. He's like, oh yeah, I'm working in Kimberly. Give me a call at five o'clock. Here's my number. You can come over and check it out. I'm like, wow, okay. So I call him, go over there. He bought this gun brand new and imported it from the UK, paid over $1,000 to get it here. He's only shot it three times. He's like, I only shot this three times to get some deer off of my lawn. And I have all these other guns. I got this one as a backup when I was super into it, but I haven't played in years, haven't touched this gun. And he's like, I've been trying to post it on Kijiji, but it keeps getting flagged because it looks so real. It gets flagged and taken down. He's like, yesterday I just posted the logo in the evening and I woke up in the morning and checked it and was like, wow, there it is. And he was saying that he would get people reaching out to him being like, we will pay you $800 to ship this over to Toronto. Like people wanted this gun because it's hard to get. And here I am talking on the phone with him. He's like, yeah, come over and check it out. I'm like, hey, where do you live? He's like, I live at the Highcrest Trailer Court. I look across my street, the Highcrest Trailer Court. I'm like, you are my neighbor, pretty much. He's like, come on over. So I go over there, end up, long story short, getting this gun, posting a picture in the group chat of this airsoft group. And they're all like, wow, you got a Novridge. Like they're freaking out. Like you. And so I showed up to airsoft two weeks later after hanging out with these guys. On the third week, I show up with the best airsoft sniper ever. And it was like instant respect from everyone. And they're all just like, oh, don't shoot me with that thing. And it was just like, it was so cool. But what it did was give me a little bit of an inroad to begin living incarnationally. And over the course of about six, seven months, I, I was hanging out there. And every week I would just kind of like be there, but also praying and just like in my heart, just like, God, who do you want me to speak to today? Who do you want me to talk to? And there was this guy there named Mitch. And I just felt like he gave me a sense of peace. It's what scripture calls a person of peace. And um, I asked him, I was like, hey man, how you doing? And he had chimed in about something I had released this podcast that is all about miracles. And he said something about it that made me think like, you kind of have some grid for this faith thing. And so I asked him one day, I was like, where are you at in faith? Like, what's your What's your situation like? And he, he just starts opening up his whole story to me. And we began this process of just going back and forth, back and forth, texting, calling, meeting every week at Airsoft, talking about God. We started doing Airsoft Church. There was a few guys coming out, sitting around the fire for an hour before everyone else showed up. We'd meet, we'd talk about, we started having conversations about baptism, conversations about salvation, about what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit, to live on mission. I started casting some vision like, hey guys, like you, when you're filled with the spirit of the sent and sending God, he's gonna send you to reach these guys. Like that you have a purpose of reaching these dudes who come and hang out here. Like, don't get all overwhelmed by reaching the whole world. Just think about reaching the people you do life with. And he started getting inspired by that. And I, I wanna show you this video. Um, we, I got to baptize him like a week, uh, not a week ago, like a few weeks ago in Jim Smith Lake. And baptized him, we laid hands, prayed for him to be filled with the spirit. He felt a tangible sense of like warmth and lightness like come into him. His grandpa, uh, well, just play the video. I'll, I'll kind of explain some of it. What's up guys, just sitting here with my buddy Mitch face. from Airsoft. And uh, yeah, stoked to um, just kind of hear a little bit of where he's at in his journey and, and just to encourage you guys um, to start reaching out and to, to be, uh, you know, investing in the people that you do life with and, and being a part of that. So yeah, Mitch, why don't you... Uh, 
what's going on? How you doing? What uh, maybe take us take us back a little bit? What what happened? What was the sort of start of um, you coming to faith? Well, I uh, <clears throat> kind of grew up in a, a religious background, then uh, I just kind of faded away from it. And uh, about uh, about a year ago or so, uh, I met Clay. Started hearing some stories around the campfire, and uh, he just approached me one evening and asked me if I would like to get together with him and uh, talk about faith. And uh, I was like gung ho for it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then we got more into talking about baptism. I told him, I'm like, yeah, I've never been actually baptized. Mm. Uh, so we started talking about doing that more. We did have a setup to do a baptism. Mm -hmm. uh, like my when we were going to originally do it, I did back out of it. I just, I wasn't too sure because I wanted to be a perfect Christian. I wanted to be mm. perfect. And I just realized I just, doesn't exist <laughs> and uh, I just it took a couple more months and I just kind of felt like I I get it now yeah and it just think, felt right yeah I think it's cool because it, at first it was kind of like this conversation about you know what is baptism it's a dying to yourself it's a laying down your your own life and putting on Christ and being filled with his Holy Spirit and there was this cool conversation back and forth with us and and I just want to encourage you guys that you don't need to ever rush that process like that baptism and that surrendering over to Christ is like you, you want that to be sincere. You don't ever want that to be something that you just put on and be fake about. So even just the, you know, we had a baptism set up, but then it was like it didn't end up happening. But the cool thing is that we still met up week after week and we kept hanging out. We kept having conversation. We kept digging into that. Hmm. And then uh, and then what was your baptism like? What 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 was that like? Uh when uh when we first were there i was of course uh, nervous <laughs> and uh and when we started praying and when they had their hands on me and that did i just felt super warm hmm. i felt love hmm. and uh and afterwards i just felt so light like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and hmm. uh, like something it felt like something was there. And wow. I love that. And I, your grandpa said something cool at your baptism. He said, um, you know, after we asked, I asked you like, how you feeling? And you said that exact thing. And then he's like, well, you know, you're switching kingdoms. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's so true. It's like, you're coming out of this other kingdom into the kingdom of Christ and, and being restored back to the image of God that he's putting his, his life in you and restoring you back to that image of like the missional God who came and sent his son to save and he's put his life in you. And now what are you like, where are you at even like with Airsoft and what are you getting excited about even with where, what we're doing with Airsoft stuff and just like our, our friends that we're hanging out with, like, what did, what did that start to do? I think I even heard you like kind of cold calling people like, Hey man, do you know about Jesus? Like just like that kind of stuff started to happen, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I'm super excited to bring more people into it now. Like mm. Clay, like refreshed me with it, and now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And mm. now I just want to give it to other people mm. as well. Mm. Yeah, and it's so cool. I can't wait. I just it's 
exciting. <laughs> There's lots of people in the airsoft group that I really uh, want to reach out to and mm. and That's help so out. Cool. It's so cool. I love that. So I just want to encourage you guys with Mitch's story and just as a way of challenging and encouraging you guys that like this stuff works that, you know, just the relationship that Mitch and me just from hanging out and, you know, doing a, a goofy game in the woods, just something that we both enjoy. It's like that has led to faith and led to um, an area where now Mitch feels called to reach some of his friends in, in airsoft. So just want to encourage you guys with that story. Thanks for, uh, yeah, listening, Mitch. I'm stoked for, yeah, what we're, what we're doing in the future and for, for what we're, where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> like <fun>. you. <laughs> cool, man. Okay. Thanks guys. Woo. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just wanted to encourage you with that story that this does work living that way, living incarnational type of lifestyle where you go and just be with people, take on some of their image, see faith fleshed out. Um, yeah, love you guys. I'm going to just pray for you as you leave here and enjoy your Thanksgiving. Um, God, I thank you that each person in here was reached by you, Lord. I thank you that uh, you are a missional God who is on mission for us and that you send us in your spirit. So from this place, God, I ask that you would send each of us personally in your spirit and the power of your Holy Spirit, Jesus, to reach those in our life, at our workplaces, at our neighbors, and that we would recognize our open doors and we would walk through them. God, that we, would, that we would own the task of reconciling people back to yourself, that you've done your part. Help us to do our part, God, and we'll see people do their part in receiving you and being a part of what is happening. So, God, I just ask that you bless them this Thanksgiving and uh, be with them in Jesus' name.